Before we start the show, I wanted to say thanks for listening. We want to bring you the best show we can, and sometimes it takes us a week or two to cut, edit, and present you something polished. But if you're the kind of person who wants to hear the long version with no frills and wants it as soon as possible, we're now putting our Ready Player 2 episode reviews on Patreon. Pay as much as you think is fair and get access to uncut episodes just hours after we record it. Join our community of gunters at patreon.com forward slash get to the good part, no spaces. Now, on to the show. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And today we have an awesome guest, a leader in our Gunter community, uh, a man who has brought a majority of the community together under Facebook, uh, a highly astute and acclaimed uh, wizard of all things archaic of the 80s and 90s, that he's just kind of led the way in, in pushing the interest in this book, even to this day, and guiding us through live readings of the original book in preparation for Ready Player Two. Christopher Lafayette, thank you for joining us. Hey, happy to be here. Good to the good part. This is Brad. Thank you for the invitation. I'm really stoked, super stoked to be in my first country podcast. And Woo! to this day, it is all my right. favorite country podcast. That's what we love to hear. It, so it, let's start it off real quick. When you created your group, your your social media cabal, if you will, what drove you to kind of put that together? Well, Chris, here's the interesting story. This is the honest to goodness story. I've never gone on wax to say it, but I'll share it with you two fine fellow students. So I was living out of a hacker space at Mountain View. California, here in Silicon Valley, between NASA and Google, we had a place called Hacker Dojo. And Hacker oh, Dojo cool. is just a big, huge place, 24-7 place for hackers. And so a lot of my hacker brothers were like, dude, have you read Ready Player One? And at the time, I was reading Game of Thrones, the whole series. And everybody, every once in a while, would keep bringing it up. Hey, Ready Player One, Ready Player One. Have you read Ready Player One? Because of the technology and the about virtual reality and things like that, and that's something I've studied here. And so I was like, you know, I just finished Game of Thrones. I thought it was an amazing series. So I was like, yeah, let me read this Ready Player One. So I get an Audible, and I think most gunters can relate to this. The day you press play, the book is amazing from beginning to the absolute end. And I listened to it, but I did not realize that one book would be better than the whole series of Game of Thrones that I just read. In fact, I didn't think that I would have such an enjoyability. So what ended up happening is I finished the book, one of the most powerful books I've ever read. And it felt like, you remember Sebastian that was in the basement and never ending story and he had his apple <laughs> and his sandwich and the lightning outside. Mm -hmm. I felt like every time I turned the book on, I felt like Sebastian with this 
half a sandwich and an apple, and I have to save a little bit for more. And so I sat there and I said, I'm going to create a group. Honest to goodness. I was on Facebook and I said, I'm creating a Facebook group. Because I saw the other groups that were there at the time. And frankly, I wasn't feeling it was part of Gunter culture. And I said, you know, I'm going to call it the official Ready Player One Gunter clan of Facebook. And the three keys that's been on there to this day. And I created it. And here's the truth. When that thing launched, I launched it. And it probably started with just me and maybe four other people in the course of a year joined. And that was all the way back in 2016. And then the very next year, 2017, we probably had, I had about four other friends who I'd recommended the book to, and they joined in. I still don't know if they all really read it. And it was about eight people in the group, <laughs> honest to goodness, Scout's honor, Gunter's honor. And there's about eight people sitting in the group for over a year. And then right around where they announced that they were going to make the movie, it blew up. We have yeah. over 3,000 people in there. You, you all know how active it is. I had zero idea the group was going to be what it is. And I felt like when I when I launched it and, and out there, I felt like, wow, here's people I actually can relate with when it comes to pop culture, 80s reference and 90s. And it's just kind of been that ever way since. And, and we've grown a community amazing and just to see the things that we share it's just there's just something and, and if you look at you know there's cyberpunk groups that have like tens of thousands of people and there's a skeletor group and there's all kind of groups on facebook but there is no other group that i think that covers as much pop cultural references than the gunter clan in fact i think you'd be hard-pressed to find a group of people that know uh, collectively that would know more about pop cultural references of any decade than I, I would say in the last three decades than the Gunter clan. I mean, there, I was really impressed by other people's perspective of the book, how they interpreted the book, things I've learned from other Gunters, uh, the women Gunters, men Gunters. And there's so many people that you found out that really enjoyed a book as much as you did, you know, because for over a year there, I was like, I know I'm not the only one. Cause I hear people talking about it all around the Valley, but then all of a sudden you get like, bunch of other people so many people have such a affinity really towards the story it really feels good that i felt like you know what it's not a business community it's just a community where you just feel like you can go to every day and there's a bunch of people that you can relate with on such a rad level and i just think it's just it's just something you know that of all the groups that i'm part of on facebook there's there's none that touch so that's just kind of yeah, it, it's definitely something else to interact with all these people from all over the place to bond over 380 something pages of a book <laughs> that just speaks to us. Like you said, it kind of touches everybody in a different way. And, you know, like groups like yours and the uh, the ability to to meet so many different people and you know, even virtually or sometimes even in, in real life. Like we had an opportunity to meet some Gunters in real life when we went to Columbus for the nice. book signing. And really? it, it, it's incredible because like you, it's, it's funny how you can have such an affinity to, towards a person without ever having met them in person. You bond over a book like this and it's an instant connection. Right. It's just amazing the community that it's brought together. And, you know, one of the fun things that, I was 
so excited to see that you were doing as part of the Gunther clan to help bring the community together was the live reading of Ready Player One as sort of a countdown to the release of Ready Player Two. So tell us more about how that idea came about. We did a live reading. This is our this is our second live reading. But we saw the book part two. I said, you know, every single time, and I don't know if the experience we all, but every single time I reread the book, there's so much more that I didn't see the time before. I'm like, man, I just think we ought to do a recap of it, promote reading, you know, because I think scholastic reading, I think it's, you know, reading may not be so cool to people, but I think it's a cool thing to be able to do. So I think if we're reading, I think it's just, it was just something that worked. felt like other people can share, put more faces visually and video-wise. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, too, is this platform, this culture can really grow big. You know, for all we know, we may be looking at an Empire Strikes Back that's actually better than the first. That's the hope that the second will be better than the first. I personally doubt it. That's just me. Just because how could it get better than that? But, I mean, Ernest Klein wrote an incredible book on the first one. Maybe he could bring it back twice. It would be really, really hard to do. But... So we, we started this reading, and as you, I mean, like you see, it, 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 people are reading every night just about, and I've had the pleasure of being able to share, and no one's judging each other, and, you know, some read slower than others. Some people have some seriously, like, amazing backgrounds, different countries, and some people just have a wall with a picture of a flower, and, it, and you know, and that's okay, you know, just give us what you got. And we just like to hear from different voices and, and just different people reading it. So that's just basically how it came about. No one's getting paid to do it. And, you know, we hope it just promotes not just this book, but a sense of community, which I think we have, especially in the time of COVID. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can tell you that like, I actually had no plans to like re- do a live reading. I was like, ah, oh, you know, like, when am I going to do this? I don't have time for this. And then like I started to watch a couple and I'm like, you know what? This looks like a lot of fun. I'm doing this. Because uh, <laughs> why not? Right. And right. I had, I had a lot of fun. Like I'm sitting there reading a book out loud, which I never do unless it's a children's book right now. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun and, you know, I was getting really into it and, you know, then I'm like, well, how can I make, chapter four where he talks about the structure of the oasis and the the different sectors and it mentions the rubik's cubes i'm like well what can i do to like give some flair to this reading so i decided to do a solve of a rubik's cube and after that i started to see how other people are putting their own flair on it and it was you know the special effects the backgrounds changing like green screen effect and it was just like this is so awesome to see everybody putting their own signature on their reading it's been it's been an incredible amount of fun, and you know, thank you for getting this thing going. It's just been a great way to get a really fun countdown to the new book, which I'm excited for. And I was like, let's just do this countdown. I don't know about you both, but I'm, I'm stoked about the new book. I know I put a venture pull out there some weeks ago. How long will it take you to read? And I was like, first I think I put two weeks, and then week I was like, who am I kidding, man? I think Eric said the other day in a message, like I'm gonna lock myself you're gonna, in a you're room. climb into the attic, and you're gonna pull the cover over your head. You're gonna crack the book open. You got your sandwich. You're not gonna eat all of it because it's a long journey. I have to ask: when you go to open up those first few pages in those chapters. Are you are, a? You may not be looking for anything; just want to read it. But what do you want to really? Is there is there something that may not have got answered? Are you looking for Are you looking for something specific that wasn't answered? 
in the first one? Are you looking to see how Wade spent the money? Are you looking to see if that red button? What are you looking for with this? What do you want out of this? If I open up the page and start reading, and this is a, essentially a continuation of the first book in whatever way, shape, or form, I'm happy. You know, like in some ways, I'm kind of glad that it appears to be starting off like a few days after the events of the last book because it will be that kind of continuation of that same story. And like, I don't want it to be like a back to the future, like same story, but 30 years later or Mm. 30 years before, you know, like, and, Oh, you happen to have the same bully who's, and you're somehow, you know, waking up to in bed and your mother's there, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't, they didn't want, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) If it continues the story in a way that, you know, even if it's somewhat derivative of the first, which, you know, if there's going to be another contest, which it sounds like it is, fine. I'm excited for that. Super excited for that. Give me more of that. That's what I want. I'd agree. Uh, I, I got on for the ride, and I'm okay if the ride continues. Like if the ride is longer, if this was an extension of the book, if somebody said, oh, we uncovered another 30 chapters of the same book, I'd be like, well, give me those. That's fine. Let's continue the story. I'm all right with that. Uh, I think that there is a groove that he found. And if he keeps digging into that groove, great. You know, when when I read Armada, while a good book didn't quite hit that groove like it, it lightly skipped off of it and had some sort of throwback references but it just didn't quite have that that deep cut that i could really connect to and as a result i just it was a good book it was a good read but i didn't come back to it not not like i did ready player one so if the second book continues to cut the same groove i'm cool with that because there's it's it's like a seam of gold going through a variety of layers of ground and I'm happy to continue following that seam through additional layers up uh, you know even if we're starting to, to to cut into like 90s references which I'm not quite as fa- much a fan of as I am some of the 80s references but I'm just curious to see where that shit goes the thing that I liked about the book is that it introduced me to a bunch of things I was never interested in Mm. like rush. I'm not a rush fan now, but I'll tell you what, after we did the rush episode with, uh, 2112, I, I had this whole new level of appreciation for a band that I would never have given a second thought about. Totally. And I loved it. And I just, I loved going through it. And I loved, I loved listening to it and stopping and reading and working out the story. It just, I just, so this, this book is kind of, not only allows me to find the things that I like that I'm interested in and then have that sort of in joke with everyone else, you know, that sort of deep cut that only a handful of people actually get. But now it, it provides a gateway to a whole other set of things that I really wouldn't have thought about liking, much as Aaron had mentioned, not being into video games. And yet here's a book that delves into video games. So that's, that's kind of what I love. Anything that allows me to that drives an interest within me to explore things I would never have thought about. Like that's a, that's a great thing. That's, that's a great vehicle, if you will. I just feel like with this story, I just, it, it, it there's not going to be, that was okay. Better. It's either going to be really great or I think it's not, it's not going to be able 
to get at, at, as far anywhere near closer to the black. I think, I don't know if you have a lot of room for just okay. Just like what you said about Armada. Armada was okay. I didn't even finish it. It was just okay. I, it, it didn't do it. And maybe I went in there with the free expectation of it giving me the same feeling as Ready Player One. And so there's bias. I was biased to it because I wanted to get that feeling and it wasn't that at all. But every other book I've read after Ready Player One, none of them have given me the feeling. Not to say I haven't enjoyed them, but name me a better book that you read after Ready Player One. I, for me, I'm hard pressed to do it. So I just find that interesting. I am holding on to faith that Ernest Klein knows the scrutiny that's going to be put on this book. <laughs> Oh, and the we'll old do, pressure play. <laughs> well, yeah, like I think he's gonna he's gonna do whatever he can to hit this one out of the park. And and he and he knows bad sequels. He grew up with all the same movies and TV shows that we did. He knows the formula for making a bad sequel, so he should know the, how to avoid making a bad sequel. My my hope is that he embraces that, right? Like he, pur- he purposefully makes a sequel that is like an homage to all the bad sequels. Like take every bad sequel cliche and pack that shit into the book, right? Like I would actually be okay with that to a certain extent, you know? Because at least you could come back and say, well, he, he, he did what they did, you know, and, and he pointed to it all the way through, right? And there are some good sequels. At the time that I grew up, Empire Strikes Back was like the most boring movie for me. I realize now, looking back on it, how why people think that isn't the case. Uh, a certain level of nostalgia for me puts things in a slightly different order. But uh, I get it, though. Uh, my my, f- I, I love the idea here that that you you kind of say you know he starts off in the stacks like that's your 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 sort of starting place yourself you're connecting if you will, and to me you know the whole movie is kind of like uh it's like the first Rocky right it's it's literally going from nothing to everything, and it is it's not just a backstory, and it, the next book you can't do you can't you obviously can't do. The backstory. We've done the backstory. We've already gone from some nothing to as much something as you can imagine. So then the question he asked there is, where else can you go when you are on top? And and that's basically to get your butt kicked off of the mountain somehow. And then to have to to really regain that, to earn it for yourself. So the first book, he's earning it for Anorak. I think the second book, somehow maybe he's going to get kicked off the mountain. And he's going to have to earn it for himself. You're not left with a whole lot when you're at the top of the mountain. And that's where the first book leaves us, is at the top of the mountain. He has the girl. He's won the game. He's got everything that he dreamed of. What's there left? To take all of that shit away dramatically and then drop him right back down to where he was. And now he has to prove himself. I that to me would be an enticing story if that was the case, even if it seems a little bit derivative of the first book, which again is working from nothing and going to something. Yeah, that just made me think about Wade in the first book was really only an oasis exploring Gunter for a very short period of time before he became God. He became, you know, that level uh, in the oasis. So, like, how much more fun is the Oasis going to be for him? He can just, oh, I'm in this sector now. And I don't, you know, he doesn't have to, like, fight any. He doesn't have to, like, slay kobolds. You know, he doesn't have to do anything like that. 
he's just kind of existing. So like, you know, it, he's, he's got kind of God codes. Yeah. So, and so like, yeah. What, so how much more fun, fun can the game, game be for him at this point? Well, yeah. I mean, and this is the problem I've got with God codes. Uh, I don't use them even if I know them because it takes the fun out of the game. Like the, the game was designed to be a challenge. And if you've got all the God codes, where's the challenge? Like, where's the fun? You, you know you're going to win. You know you're impervious. You know you have you have the most powerful stuff. What what's the fun in that? You, it loses purpose, really, at that point. So uh, yeah, I, I'm just kind of curious to see where that goes. I think you kind of. I think you you actually said it. Though. I mean, I, I, I in fact I think it's it's. I'm just sitting here thinking about it on a number of levels. But for this particular instance, it's like that's really pretty because. You have the God code, and the way that you're able, what is more than God code? What's next? And it's like, well, here it is that you are subjected to a, a standard of threat of competition that you're not used to, and you're able to get to that. Mm-hmm. In other words, you, you just said it, he gets knocked down off the hill. Now he comes back to where the average mortal is, mm-hmm. and now he finds himself having to go and climb up and even bigger challenge than he had to before. You know, I think that we still have IOI, but they're still out there. We don't know the whole Earth. You know, we know about missing millions. We don't know the technical Earth, and we don't know a whole lot about the Oasis. Really. Think if we're saying Star right. Wars, what did we really get in Star Wars the first one? We got Tatooine and a Death Star and Yavin 5. We didn't know about Coruscant. We didn't know about Vagabond. We didn't know about Hoth. We didn't know about all these other... So we really don't know the Oasis. And we don't know. All we know is that Wade went from this state. He had all this. He has all this power now. And Chris, he says to him, the woman. He's got the money. He won the game, the fame. Where else do you go but down? But in going down into that darker place, you're a phoenix. You got to rise. Right. We get to fall. We love Wade. We love Parzival. But we get to go see him overcome even something bigger than what he did the first time. But in order for us to appreciate that, it's as the reader, we have to see him justifiably lose everything. He has to get his butt kicked, defeated, and it makes you what you said it, Rocky. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rocky. Now, granted, you know it was a it was, you know, Apollo won the first one, mm-hmm. but we loved Rocky. We loved seeing him, and then he comes back from part two, and he finally defeats it. And then part three, he's the man, and Mister T kicks his ass, but Mickey died. There was something mm-hmm. that happened to make you fall in love with Rocky again in the middle of the film. That one character died. You're like, oh, fuck, Mickey died. Go kick his ass. And he kicked his ass mm-hmm. right after he got beat by Clever Lane. But then why did we like, but he beat Clever Lane, but why did we like the Russian so much? Oh, I didn't. But a lot of people <laughs> did. Why did people like Rocky Four? I mean, a lot of us were. I mean, but why did we I, love, I, I, right? I'm just saying it's the, over and the, over again. Uh, I think at the, as far as the Russian was concerned, I think at at the end of that movie there was a mutual respect that was earned, right? Like like it, it's it's you know it, there wasn't supposed to be a mutual respect. It was supposed to be America versus Russia, and this is the '80s, so this is not a surprising you know sort of situation. But that when it, when you you have these two extremes competing against each other, they reach a level of sort of mutual respect out of the kind of power that both of them bring to the place. And at the end of the at the end of the the competition there, 
they, they're both beat up, right? And you feel like they've both been softened. And through that experience, they've both connected in some way. And at the end of the day, the Russian dude's not a bad guy. He sort of turns on his his country and, and accepts Rocky. And Rocky kind of, you know, turns and embraces him and does his little speech at the end. And, you know, that kind of thing. That's kind of what I got out of that. Uh, total freaking aside. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And this shit happens. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where they take that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, whether or not he can, t- can continue to sort of cut that same groove that made the first book so addictive. And I'm also curious because if he didn't dump – Ernest Klein writes what he knows and what he loves. That was obvious in the first book. What I'm curious is that if he didn't dump everything into the first book – what else does he love that he held back? Or are we getting B-tracks in the second book? Is he, you know, well, I kind of liked that, so I'll write to that. Versus, like, Rush. Like, Rush was an entire chapter. You know Ernest Klein loves Rush. It's going to be everything that's in Chapter 6. The big list. Consult the list. It's all there. It's a big list, but he focused on the stuff that he knew and he loved. And he didn't know how successful the book was going to be. So, you know, you just kind of go, you know, all to the wall and, and stick it all in there. So I'm kind of curious, like, okay, well, what's left that he really loves? What What is that next level of adoration that he's going to bake into the next book that we're going to be able to relate to? And is it going to be as deep for him as it was for the other things in the first book? Well, I think one, if you look at Nolan Sorrento, I would liken it to him as a Gene Hackman. Lex Luthor. No, it's just what I was thinking. But yeah. then the question to your point when you talked about diametric opposition, who's Zod? I don't believe that we've been introduced to the true enemy. We don't know who that true enemy is until part two, but we didn't know who about Palpatine until part two. Right. You know, and so I think the reason he has those type of powers, you're given those powers for a reason. So was the son of Jarrell. He was mm. given those powers, but there were other people in opposition that had equal powers. Now, how do you fight that in a competition? But this goes back to it all has to it has to go back to interact neededly. Mm-hmm. I love the concept. I love the concept that that you when you said that they're participating in NRX mind. That this is a, a mutation of his mind. This is his space. Like everything he loves is stored in this universe that everybody gets to go and play in. But only the the chosen few, if you will, uh, really know how to unlock the aspects of his mind. But on the same note, though, and I kind of like where you're going with this, the idea that you know, a person can be their own worst enemy. That you might go into their mind and unlock all the nuggets of gold that they love that makes them them the who they the person that you love, but going that deep into this virtual psyche that is Halliday, uh, you, potentially you're going to find some ghosts of Halliday. Potentially you might find the enemy that is Halliday. Halliday is his own worst, you know, enemy, if you will. Uh, and, and maybe the powers that he needed for himself were due to the weaknesses that he had that other people were attacking him with. I don't know. But I, I like that idea that maybe, you know, it, it the greatest advantage there for them is th- that it's Halliday, but that potentially the biggest enemy may also be the mind of Halliday in the system. What do we see in Tron? I mean, Chris, you just hit it. I mean... Tron Part 2, the second Tron, the Maker was opposed 
by himself. He was completely opposed to AI, artificially simulated or sim- simulated sim- simulated sentient construct. That was him directly from his neural net- network, and it opposed him, and it took over the whole world of Tron, and he had to go into hiding and refuge. I think what you're just saying, if you go that deep, it's like, yeah, we get the gold, and we, we get that you have all this, you know, we want to give you the thank you for playing my, but we don't know the other side of Anorak, because let's be honest, Anorak didn't get Kira. Ong got Kira. Anorak was lonely. Anorak was hurt. But can we say that Anorak, are we, are we today, gentlemen, are we ready to say right now that Anorak was all good? No. Because he could be an evil genius. I mean, there was like, oh, he created this whole thing. But what about the anger of Anorak? We don't really know if there's a, you said it, Chris. It's like, we've, we're really deep down this hole, but it's like, what if we come to find out that there's another side of Anorak that we never knew existed? This guy is pretty heavy. We're talking about Halliday's ghost in the machine. It sounds like once he's actually shed his mortal coil and he's now just programming and he he doesn't have like the human consciousness that might have been holding him back from being this kind of evil version of himself that maybe he's the new villain that version of him is like because remember we we have that clue that it's it's a villain who's risen from the dead Hmm. and they pulled that clue too right not only did they pull it back but now it's not it's not even a part of the cover the, the yeah. cover story. So they they pulled they sort of redacted that real quickly from uh, what was it? <laughs> Books a million. Yeah, I, I I do kind of wonder because I don't think it's so much. I mean, initially we talked about it being a ghost in the machine, but but Christopher, since you'd mentioned it, uh, it kind of it's kind of a neat idea, which is that it's not a ghost in the machine. The machine is Halliday. All of the worlds are Halliday. The the hunting for the keys is the unlocking of certain parts of Halliday's subconscious. It's, it's, it's one thing to say, I am a ghost in a separate machine moving around. It's a whole other to say, you are an apparition within my mind. And so is the entire world. That's a part of this. Now you are in my mind, and you may not realize it. You may think you're just playing a game or making money, but you're in my mind. And the part that you unlocked is the part that wanted to give my mind away to you to control. But maybe there are other aspects of my mind that you need to unlock or that someone else will unlock that will unlock a, well, a darker side of myself, a darker side of my psyche, if you will. I kind of like the inverse of that. Yeah, I don't think he's a ghost in the machine he made. I think the machine is his mind, and everyone participating is the ghost in his machine. I buy it. Did that, did that freaking make sense? I mean, I'm tripping over here. I mean, I buy it. I mean, you're operating within the confines of his mind, and but but here's the question that comes that I have, and it, it, I think Aaron, I think you put it out there, or Chris, you may have is what pop cultural references complements that narrative because we know that rpo is it's it's one part story one point part reference within the story it's, it's how do you take that i mean that's so deep you know to me it's so deep i see it i buy it i think you hit it well it's not that he's operating in this just this machine we're really operating within him and there will be things that are unlocked and hacked that that or things that just happen where opposition which he's the opposition can take over. And I just think, yeah, and he had to do a singular. He couldn't have Og be part of that. Og and Moro be part of that process. It can't be two kind of life figures. But did you ask yourself, how come Og has all this power too, though? 
I mean, he was one of the native founders and all that. We're, what, I think Og has a bigger role to play that we may or may not know. Mm-hmm. But now if Og falls, now it's really on Wade because now you only have what, and I think Og has to get destroyed by this figure to show that you can be destroyed, Wade, because I just took out Og in the Oasis, but I don't know. I don't know. So Og is going to be Obi-Wan? He's going to get the Obi-Wan treatment. I could kind of see that. The thing is, I really want to see more Og, because I I thought he was probably the most underutilized character in the first book. I thought, I I just wanted to see more Og. I hope we get to see that in this book, and I will be heartbroken if he is struck down by a lightsaber. <laughs> uh, you'd mentioned where where can we reference this sort of this sort of paradigm? Uh, I think that the Matrix touches on this a bit, uh, particularly in the second and third film, where it gets a little bit deeper about really, really what the Matrix is and how many iterations there really are, and what what people really think they know about the Matrix versus the reality of it. Uh, and then the flip of that is Inception where people are entering the minds of others, and you have people who are creating the constructs of those dreams, and you have a subconscious that fills out the details of those dreams uh, to give you the ability to sort of work within it. It's a very sort of, uh, you know, dream-based VR kind of situation as well. So you could have a little bit of of borrowing from both to sort of build on that kind of paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you take a story like this for some reason, I got a rush of the head because that song in Rush 2012, that old 12 minute song, which to me is just genius. It's about, you know, opposition and the, the little people having to overcome this opposition. You know, maybe there was more to that, you know, than what we realized. You know, how did, how do you, how do you change the world? You know, the way that Samantha wanted to change it with her idea that when we found out in the cage, she's like, well, I want to feed all these people and da 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 Versus Wade says, I want to go up to the star. You know, why did we see on the book cover and when the new introduction came out for Ready Player Two that it was a universe that we saw in the Constellation Star System? Does Wade attempt to go into why a universe? Well, we know that when the gates opened, because I went back and checked if you guys remember for your gunter knowledge. Right. When the gates opened, there was a star. You know, and remember what he said when he would go in the gates? He was like, he was like, I went in there, but I was no longer in the oasis. I can hear Wade and seeing that right now. He's like, I realized we now know that there's places that are in this virtual space that are no longer of the oasis from what he said. OTM off the map. What are yep. these spaces? What are these gates? What are these universes that we see? I mean, what are we really dealing here? A game within the game or the mind of Anorak in such a way that yeah, I know it, it, it can't. And Chris, you said the matrix. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's like, welcome <laughs> to the world of the unreal. It's like, is the real world really real? I mean, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. And Morpheus shows up, but it's like, oh, what do we really know about this book, dude? It, it's, it could be so many things. I don't know. My, my fear is that the book is going to be way more sedated than any of the cool shit that we've come up with. <laughs> you know, is it, what kind of crazy new technology is it? Is it a, is it a mind within a mind? Uh, no, somebody just comes back and, 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 and challenges them to a duel or they unlock another competition. And here we go again. All of a sudden you're going to see like a number of people writing alternate second books. I got a question. Who's player two? Usually when we would go to the arcades, 
player two was rarely somebody that played with us. Player two is usually somebody that we fought against. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of wonder if that's not an indication of this this mysterious person coming back from the dead to to play directly against him. Whatever this thing is that they're competing for, that it's just him and this one other person. I, at least that's the way it read in the very short paragraph that they gave us, the slight morsel. There might be something to that. You know, that it's not it's not because initially I was thinking Ready Player Two before we got the the jacket description. I was thinking maybe it's like 20 years into the future and the second player is his son. Or maybe it's no longer about Parzival and we're switching context to some other character. How cool would it be if the if the second book picked up but it was with Artemis as the main focus and and you switch tracks but you're still in the you're, you're moving along the timeline. So yeah, it might be a few days later but maybe it's from Artemis's perspective and, and, you know, running along like that could be player two. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a freaking brain scratcher. Or it's just the most obvious sequel title to the book. Well, yeah, it could be that simple. It could be that simple again. But then again, I'm a simpleton. So like, this is all like (laughs) blowing my brain up. So I'm going for simple. Like I said, it might it might very well be that the, the wondrous things that we have concocted might make the book like oh yeah I wish it was the way I had thought it was <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what we thought about the movie oh if only it was more like the book oh yeah yeah so so I think Chris you've been pretty outspoken in regards to uh, your take on the movie so. Th- Obviously, there's got to be a second movie. There's got to be a. There is a second book. Somehow, they are two different tracks. They're not the same track. Obviously, they're moving in a generally same direction, but in a different piece of land, if you will. And my feeling here is, regardless of where we go with the second book, there has to be something that joins up with the movie that allows the movie to continue where it left off and not be too far from the new track that's being laid by the second book. So what are your thoughts on how the movie will then have to merge into the second book? I mean, granted, we don't know the second book yet, but we definitely know the differences between the movie and the book. You know, it's... Your whole demeanor's changed, by the way. It's, yeah. <laughs> totally. It's, I was like, oh, you took it there. We're going there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I, you know, when they ended it with Artemis and Ed, look, I, the book, I, 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 I've, I've managed my expectations of what the movie, obviously we've, 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 Really, our group of, of any group of plan has worn out the narrative of the book versus the movie. And it's like, okay, I know right. that it can't be exactly everything that's in the book. I have to do this just to get this off my chest. <laughs> to me, the movie would have been much better in two things, two simple areas. One, one of the greatest parts of the book is when the name changes on the board. Parzival gets that key, and Artemis finds out. What was the reaction of the world? I think Spielberg, of all people, could have nailed that better than just about any director I know of. That reaction, like, the board changed. 
But like all, everybody losing their freaking mind at every Everybody's level. sitting at – think about Spielberg and how he directs. Everyone's people are sitting at dinner. People are getting ready to play tennis. They're going to do this. And all of a sudden, everybody stops what they're doing. And it's very Willy Wonka-esque. Like every time somebody got got a golden ticket, the world like zoomed in on that person. Great point. And all we have is, who is this Parzival and why is he winning? I'm going to say the reason that that was like that. And I don't know why Klein let him do it, but he let him do it. But they have, you know, he, you know, when you, you give up a bit of rights, when you sell your mo- your screenplay and book. So Spielberg's not a gotcha in that way. Not like we are. I don't think he really, I don't think it had to, because I know people that have read Ready Player One, and I'm sure by now y'all do too, that have read it, and it just didn't do anything for them. It just didn't do anything for them, and that's fair. And I'm not I friends with those people anymore. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to have a relationship after that. It feels very bipartisan. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, I know you. I acknowledge you, but that's it. I've unfriended them. So it's like they go check, they go and check, and it's like ad friend. It's like why? But but so so then, so then here we go. So that's one. I think we missed a key opportunity. This to, to like wow. The second one is the end. And this is the one move in the film, the one move that I'm like, I, why? Because you shut down the Oasis for two days out of the week. But the, that's the one that, that, that threw the whole thing off the track to me, guys. It's because yeah. the Oasis is an economy. It's an economy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can just shut down people's businesses for two days. And I think they did that. Pol- I think they did that politically because a lot of people would be like, what are you teaching us kids by watching this movie that they should spend all this time in video games? And they're like, spend more time in the real world they messed up the premise of the oasis and so to that point clyde already said he said that this new book has no and the movie has no influence on the direction of the second book now the question is a do you believe him or not two i'm gonna bet I, i'm gonna i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because him to be able to come up with the first book that he wrote he has you would think that he would have some idea of what he would write more. I mean, because there's so much in the first story. Chris, you said it. It is 10 years ago when the book came out, almost 10 years ago, and the movie didn't see the light of day until two years ago. So yeah. obviously he's had a lot of time to think about it over the last decade. I think the question comes down to it, in my mind, is did he play it safe so that you can have a two-hour film? And I'm going to say no, because Klein of and you, Aaron, I think you said it. He knows just as much about the failures and successes of a part two than just about probably anybody that's going to be out there writing a novel. He clearly understands country culture and culture, like, you know, just about like anybody else you may not. I mean, he, he understands that. And he knows, and it kind of goes back to Aaron's pressure statement, which I think is there's appropriate pitchforks at all. If you come out there and you deliver a bag of bad potatoes, we, you have such a community out there that will see through that, that will probably say something about it. And it's like, how could you say, it's like, you are, you are Gunter. You are like the right, you wrote this book. You have to bring it. And I don't think that he would bring it if he couldn't bring it. That yeah. is my optimism speaking. I do. I honestly legit right here on air. Do I believe that Ernest Klein, because the book is already read it, Wheaton's in the box. He's finishing out his edits. Do I believe in my heart of hearts that he's actually 
do I actually believe that he really brought it with this part two? He'd have to. He'd have to. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. To the to the point where it is going to be as spectacular as the first one. It's rough. It's lightning in a bottle. How do you do you it? Know? It's like Matrix Two. You, yeah, it, I enjoyed Matrix Two, but it wasn't. Per- I mean, Ready Player One of all the stories I've I've written so many. I've read so many books, sci-fi, fantasy, a lot. I mean, I'm doing the Wheel of Time right now, reading, and mm-hmm. that's like the longest fantasy series of all time. I think it's the longest one. <laughs> 12, 15 books. But my point is, is that that is that is one of those stories that are like the Matrix. I never had to see a part two or part three, and I would have been fine with the Matrix. Some are just so good that I never needed to see anything else. It's fine if you want to. Rocky was so good, you brought it out. Rocky got an Oscar and all that. I don't know how much an Oscar matters. But Rocky, in 79, that got best movie of the year. I went back and rewatched Rocky last year for the first time in probably over two, three, almost three de- decades, and it was like that was emotional. It was like the Rocky one. I never had to see part two, three, four, never again. ET, I don't need a part two. Princess no. Bride, I don't need a part two. You want to do it? That's fine, but I don't need a part two. Blade Runner, I didn't have to have a part two. I'm glad you did it. So I'm my point that. is, is <laughs> everything else is ancillary. I don't have my expectations that high. I'm managing my expectations. Because I just don't see if, if if Ernest Klein makes a book as good or better than Ready Player One, he is the best author for sci-fi fantasy of them all. Tolkien, big expectations, big expectations. He's the he's the be, he's the best of, and I say Tolkien. You know, I mean, you know, you, you call C.S. Lewis. You can talk. I mean, there's you know, there, there's many more we can name. Right. But to me, he will be the best. Why? Because he was able to take Star Wars, a lightsaber, and make it look that big. Everybody had a lightsaber. He he got rid of Star Wars. He brought Magarthia, Discworld, a Vulcan. How many other worlds did he bring? Middle Earth. All these turn, mm-hmm. right? He brought all these worlds together. He says, I'm going to take all that you genius authors have done, and I'm going to make it into this book that's relatable towards this generation and generation. He, he, boomers, Gen Xers, Zennials, Millennials, Gen Y, Gen Z all have some stake in the in the game. It it's a it's a it's a universe of shrines. The book is a universe of shrines to sci-fi and fantasy and that you can find your shrine within this universe. It's as if the things that you love that kind of reach back, regardless of what it is you loved, you're going to find one or two shrines within the book, a place that it's held to a, to a, a level of deification and worship and, and honoring, you know, you've got a, a world that's just video games. You've got, like you've just mentioned a number of worlds really that, that are all, are all kind of cross references, but it's really like a book of shrines. So it's, it's almost like coming to a church and finding your gods, you know, eating breakfast, right? Uh, you know, just watching Saturday morning cartoons. That, that's for me, that's what that was, was kind of like, oh, cool, this guy gets me. That's a powerful analogy. He's mentioning all of the shit I love, all of the things that, that I kind of held dear. My fear is, and you kind of, mentioned it. This is a community that's very passionate about the book. Uh, and of course, we've got 
the second one coming out and then a movie potentially. And, and, and I'm curious to see how diverse these things become. My biggest fear is that it awakens a part of the community that I don't like. And that is, I, I call it the Ghostbusters 2016 community. It's a, it's a level of, of vitriol and anger and disappointment for a number of reasons, some wrong, some right. But what I don't want to see happen is the second book or the second movie to fall into potentially that place where the community feels like they were duped. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I thought, you know what? I thought about it. I was like, I hope this doesn't create a rift in the group. I have legit mm. thought about, man, if we are so outspoken when it comes about to the movie and to the book, because sometimes there's there's real Gunter debates or disagreements on the book to the But now, both majority of us all like the book for the most part. There's, there's only a rare few that are actually even in there that haven't read the book at this point. But what happens yeah, when they you get... Because they like the movie. Yeah, but what happens yeah. when you get the Ready Player Two book, and you're going to get those that some may love it, some may hate it. But I'm curious to see what happens to this group when the book. I've been trying to figure out how the heck I'm going to do spoiler alerts. You know, some people I've, I pulled and said, "How long are you going to be reading?" and all that. People, some people are like two months out, and I'm like, you're, <laughs> "So some people are going to be." We may not hear from a lot of people. I mean, you can't just open spoiler and i know that much some people are going to power through read it and all and it's like dude you just told us so i mean that's going to be just we've never had this group with books with a new book coming out movie that was interesting but a book so chris i don't i you know (laughs) some people i don't know how this is going to be when people react to it but then again it could be great we may get an usher in of a bunch of new people that join our group you know we may see i expect to see more gunters i do expect that to happen i do yeah that would be That's great. That's another thing is that Gunters have a certain degree of identity because of the book, but but Gunterism is over. Come the end of the first book, there's no reason anymore to be a Gunter. There's no egg to hunt for. Uh, so it kind of makes me wonder, you know, what happens to this sort of culture that the book had created and that we've adopted ourselves that we love, right? It's like it speaks to us. But come the end of the first book. There is no more Gunters. There is no more egg to hunt. And where does that where does that kind of leave the book? Where does that leave the characters? How does the culture play? Does it transform into something else? That kind of creates kind of a weird position for us <laughs> who've identified with this sort of book based culture. This is something I, I, I like I love where you're going with this because I have thought about that too. I said, well, what if there's no more egg hunters? I mean to your what? I mean, does this dispel Gunters? Is there another group that comes out of an old whole sect of, I say a sect, but a whole thing of another name that Klein has? I mean, what happened with Gunters? You know, I thought about this though, which is interesting. Klein used in the movie, I found it really interesting. He referenced Gunters a lot in the movie. And also in the book, mm-hmm. but in the movie, yeah. And he talked about Gunters' honor and all this. You know, is are the clans 
plan destiny and all these other plans are all the clans that are in there are they obsolete now do they not exist and will wait will we hear wade saying the clans fell apart after the egg was found there was no need for them anymore you know what happens to the gunter i i don't know what are they going to do with all their spare time it's almost like the Jedi's being dispersed to the farthest planets, right? They exist, but not a part of a council, not a part of a group anymore. They're just now they're just kind of wise sages that exist in various reaches and corners of the universe that is the oasis, right? Yes, right. It's like these wise who are gunters. It's like what was that movie where it's like you know it's the class it's a classic move. It's like you know that person that says. Aren't you such and such? And they turn around, the old figure looks at you, and you're like, I read about you. My parents told me about you when you were young, and it's a super powerful person. And it's like, I don't know what you're talking about, kid. And they deny it for about yeah. 10 minutes. At of- the virtual bar, drinking <laughs> yeah. his fourth drink. Just, just get lost, kid. Exactly. You don't want to know what I know. I was there, okay? I was there when the universe got wiped out, all right? You don't know what it's like to start from from zero when you were at 99, okay? You don't know what you're getting into, kid. <laughs> that's so classic. And maybe that's what the gutters will become. I don't, but you just said, <laughs> didn't it say that it happens a few days though after? <laughs> well, so, yeah. so the, I mean, I mean, guess that brings up the other point is that like all the Gunters are dead. Like they are literally dead in the Oasis. Oh, that's so true. That is interesting. Who can fight the new threat? Oh my gosh, that's a great point. I just thought about that. Starting from zero. <laughs> no, think about it. If there is some crazy threat, they're all starting from zero. They've lost everything. Who can take on this threat? The, the way you could say something like, usually we summon all the gunters like we did before, but all of them are, are level one. <laughs> You know, my my hope is that it's going to be something like some point, some crescendo in the second book is going to reach like hackers where they're like, okay, I need everybody to like hack into this one main server. And then like, you know, uh, Ringo Starr is connecting from London and, you know, these other, you know, punk dudes are connecting from Japan. And it's basically reaching out to all the gunters in the universe to contribute to the effort one more time. I'm kind of kind of hoping there's something like that. Because, you know, otherwise, what else is there? You know, it's interesting. You get so much data from Gunters when they say little things. And believe it or not, I probably read the majority of everything that's ever said. In them. I read it all. I read it all. I just legitimately enjoy it. And I pick up so That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you guys just said, I've read. And I kind of study it sometimes. I'm like, this podcast is fascinating. <laughs> this is a very fun. Because I've never dived this deep into this story ever. <laughs> This is why our podcasts are two hours long, damn it. (laughs) It's like, okay, get to the good part. And it's like, here we go. I mean, this is like something we need to to really, you know, put in the group. It's like, check this out because we kind of take it there. And I'm like, listening. And it's like, you know, Aaron, that's a really powerful point. They all got wiped out. They're gonzo. Done. What do you do with that? So I think what happens is, Unless the book leaks out before the new day, the day is supposed to come out, we probably mm. really, really will not be getting a general consensus of the book until 
three days. Until we find out the results of the election? Until three days later. It's going to take like some absorption time to really understand the book. Because, like, I mean, I enjoyed the book the first time I read it. And boy, do I wish I could experience that for the first time again. But, like, I didn't understand it the way I do now after that first read. So it's going to take some time. It's going to take some deep dives. And, oh, man, like, I was really looking forward to the movie as, like, another way to experience Ready Player One for the first time. And, like, this is going to be it for me. I get to experience another Ready Player One story that's going to be canon. It's canon Ready Player One for the first time. For the, for the first time for me in eight years. I got a question. How will you read it? Are you both going audio? I'm going to read one of my many physical copies that will be arriving around then. <laughs> so I have a physical copy arriving that day. I'll have the audiobook ready to go. But I think I'm probably also going to do the ebook so it can go right to my Kindle and I can read that way because the physical book won't get there right in time. I want to read it with my voice in my head first. Why? Even though I'll probably hear Will Witten's voice, I will I want Why is that, my, Aaron? Aaron, why is that? I'm curious to know. I just feel like it's the best way for me to paint the picture in my head. Because when it, my voice, it's not someone else's intonations and the way they speak and the way they've been directed to speak. It's me doing that interpretation. They're called voice actors for a reason. He is putting inflection on words, his interpretation of it. I want that first. That's mine. Now, every time I read Ready Player One, and, and frankly, even when I was doing the live readings, I was mimicking a lot of Will Wheaton's vocalizations right. and the way he read it. I want to interpret it on my own first. Gee, when you put yeah, it like I, that, I feel like I should order the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I take a slightly different approach to this, which is that the characters came to life for me through Will Wheaton reading it. And it's, I don't disagree with Aaron at all. Uh, I think that's like a brilliant way to approach it, right? And I, I totally dig that. But for me, because I didn't read the book, I did listen to it for the first time. The characters are like ingrained into Will Wheaton's intonations and voice. So for me, going back to the characters in the book, for me, has to be Will Wheaton reading it and bringing those characters back to life. And I think it would be very different if I'd read it myself the first time around and then listened to Will Wheaton and then went, oh, well, he does it a little differently. No, no, no. For me, it was Will Wheaton. So it's almost as if you, you went to a movie and then you saw a set of characters and then you went to the second movie and they replaced all the characters. Like if I was just to read it myself... I feel like, well, just like you said, I'd probably hear Will Wheaton reading it in my head. I feel that if I didn't, it would be as if it was like separated, like a different set of characters. So I'm just, I, I'm really looking for Will Wheaton to to read me a book. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, would you read me that chapter from that book, please? You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now here's some warm milk and some cookies for you, and I'll start reading. So, but that's that's kind of I'm looking for him to bring the characters back into life as they were introduced to me the first time. That's fair. I read it on a Kindle first. Mm. That was my very first read, and I guess I want to relive that again because it. I get that it was exciting. Like I, 
I'd never been so excited about turning a page in a book before. Audiobooks, as much as I love them, and most of the books I've read in the last 10 years have been on audiobook, there's something about turning the page. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's so endearing. You know, there's two things that come to mind when I hear that on both of those perspectives. One, and like Chris, I first was introduced by Melania, and Aaron, I, I could totally relate to what you just said about your reading, like in the reading group we have, it's like, you found yourself reading like, well, and me too. I was like, and you know what's interesting? I've noticed in the, I think the last read I did, maybe the last two, I felt like the certain areas in which I was reading, how Will would read it, I felt like it read differently. Mm. And I almost felt a little sacrilegious for reading it differently <laughs> than Will. I was like, is it sacrilege for me to read it differently? But to your, to your expression, I was like, you know, I could appreciate that. You know, Chris and I didn't get it that way. And that feels like a whole different adventure in and of itself that you were able to do it on Kindle and turn the page and all that. I, I wonder if that, how much influence that really, rhetorical, but I wonder how much influence that really has on the experience. And is it dramatic? You know, because I could, with everything Chris said, I was like, absolutely. Dramatic. I mean, for me, it's kind of like when a movie ruins the pictures in the in your head of what the book it was based on was. And that was what worried me so much about the Ready Player One movie was like, it's going to overwrite all the images in my head that I created of the book. And thankfully, all those images are safe and sound right here in my brain. Because <laughs> it was so different from a, from a visual perspective. I, I get it, though. Like, there's some things you can't make exciting. You can't make sitting at school looking through Anorak's Almanac. You can't make that seem exciting. But somehow in the book, it, it works. I can't, I can't imagine it on the screen and, and bringing, you know. So, yeah, it's from a visual perspective, it's definitely different enough that it's, it's completely different. It, it's funny. You, you mentioned like how like the school park is like reading that part of the book and how school was made me want to go back to school again and go through it that way. <laughs> That sounded yeah. awesome. Like, I yeah, would have enjoyed Lutus. school. Yeah, Ludus is awesome. I know. You know what I don't like? I don't like that when I go into Audible now, it's the picture of Wade from the movie that's on the book cover. Yeah, it hurts me. That's not the Wade I know. And exactly. I think it influences in your mind from the, from the jump what Wade looks like. And I'm like, can't you just keep it the simple book? And let us just figure it out what we think based on the description. Using the imagination is just a powerful tool that I think kind of takes away once more movies become branded and this is what this person looks like. I love the images in my head of what Ludus looks like and what it was like to be in the tomb of horrors yeah. and going through arcade and all these landscapes yeah. and those are so valuable to me and I'm just so glad I still have them and they're going to be there forever. And like how I picture the characters and what they looked like. And I, I love, I love how we're dancing on the fact that what you're really saying is, is that the, the book remains unmolested in your own, in your imagination. Exactly. <laughs> much, right? The movie was so diverse that it was kind of like, who <laughs> my, it didn't, it didn't override your memories. Exactly. It like uh, Irox, Sorrento, and any of that, you know? And yeah, I was thinking as y'all were just here, how much I'm enjoying this. It's like, that's another reason why I'm going to treat it because there's so much politics. There's so much 
stuff happening in this world. And honestly, I don't really like a lot of what I see when I go on my Facebook, especially a political year and stuff, you know. Oh, Even God. people that may vote for a person, and it's like, okay, it's just so much. I get it, you know, and I, and I enjoy a lot of stuff that's put on there. But when I go to Gunter Clan, or hang around Gunter, it's like, yeah, you know, it's 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 none of that. And I, and I you know, try to make it a rule in the politics now that something's just spilled in. These things are just going to happen where you're just like, okay, fine, enough of you are talking about it. I will address it. We have all kinds of people in this group. We really, yeah. really, we have so many different, I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Y'all might because you're right, you're, you're in there often. But we have all kinds of personalities from different backgrounds. Oh, we know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do, oh, we right? Know. <laughs> we That's do. what makes it, the book so powerful is that like we all come from different backgrounds. We all believe different things. We are all going to vote for different people. But we can gather around this book and talk about it for hours and hours and hours and hours. And all that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting. And, and, and you're right. It is incredibly diverse. And, and I don't think a, any group or any subject matter has have I been exposed to so many diverse individuals that I otherwise would feel like I had nothing in common with and feel good about not having anything in common with, mind you, and yet still be able to sort of share the book and and share that experience. Like it, it's, it allows me to say, well, I'm just going to put the shit about you that I don't agree with aside because we can both find, a, you know, that common gold vein with this book. Uh, it, you know, and it doesn't matter where you are today, 40, 30 years ago, we were all sitting in front of the television That's right. on Saturday morning That's right. watching Super Friends, you know, eating Captain Crunch and getting our three or four hours of cartoons early in the morning. We were all there when all of this other shit didn't matter to us. And that kind of brings us back to it. Isn't that fascinating? What do you call that? I don't know a no name idea. for that. I don't know. Because I've seen some, you know, we'll check certain people's profiles that are coming in, and it's just like, oh my! I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've looked at some profiles, and I'm like, this guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was like, some of the things they post, because you know, we we it's very vetted on who comes in there. Believe there's some people that they don't even get at because it's like, mm. hey, you look like you're you're gonna start shit or something, or like like you just don't really fit the bill of a. And it may be discriminatory, but it's like, I, I, you know, this profile was made two days ago. And it's like, you know, just kind of, nope. you know, it's, it's suspect. And we have, you know, we have a, a different wide, wide range of audiences. And for the most part, the members of the group are respectful. Yep. If you go look at some of their profiles, it's like they're, they're, that is not the countries you see in there. But it's interesting how everybody's, for the most part, chill and they abide by community respect. Which I think is right. just so rad. And what do you got? Gunter's honor or just people being on cool behavior. But, you know, if everybody went in there and started expressing how they feel based on what their profiles is, they'd be like, oh, I had to jump in a foxhole every time I went in the group. But it's just not that. For the most part, it's never really been a problem, which I think in most groups you're out in out there, you kind of see that kind of spill over, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Hey, I, it totally does. I, I'm glad that it's, it's, a, it's a safe space. Because I just try to avoid those kinds of conversations. Because, like, I don't want to be in a room full of, you know, half the people are polarized one way and half the people are polarized another way. I want to just 
go I want to want to have fun. I want to talk about the book. I want to just not be arguing because you're going to be arguing with somebody. It's like if I'm going to argue, I want to argue about it, you know, and how we interpret something from the book, you know. <laughs> yeah, you right. know I, I don't want to be t- <laughs> because like, like like I don't want to talk about I don't want to argue about politics. I want to argue about whether or not whether or not uh, whether or not you uh, lose uh, everything when you die or do you keep it or something. You know what? Like, like, like that. Or late, whether or not Lady Hawk was a good film. Well, because like those, those well, were the days when you argued vehemently about shit that didn't matter. See, th- that's the <laughs> debate I would like to watch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I agree. Right. I agree. Uh, it, I, I have to say that it, in thinking about this and that kind of connection, I have made, I have made friends. I, I consider the friends that I've made through this book to almost be like saying, you know. I would have been friends with you as a kid. Mm. We may not be friends. I may not consider being friends as an adult if we just met on adult levels, right? Like where we are today. But with a number of people, I feel like all of these people are people that I would have jived with as a kid. You know, before politics mattered, before business mattered, before economy mattered, you know, that these are people that I would have loved. This this would have been my little rascals group. (laughs) Of some odd five thousand, three thousand, however many people are in the in the group, and that listen to the show, that these are these are like, it, it, it takes me back to being a kid, and I feel like the connection with other people is is that bridge to them being a kid, and in that sense, you know, that's that's like the, the little rascals coming together from a diverse range of background, but none of that shit mattering because the only thing that matters is, you know. Whether or not Star Trek is better than Star Wars, you know? <laughs> right? Or some stupid shit like that. That at the end of the day, as a kid, you know it doesn't matter. Uh, and I and I love that about this book. Yeah, yeah. Because when the sun went down, you went back to your house. It all that stuff didn't matter. You start over again the next day. You're still best friends. You know, right? And you know, like, I I really like that that analogy or or metaphor or whatever the word is about. You know, these are people that you would have been friends with as a kid because like maybe because I kind of feel like part of the reason why like I enjoy these communities is because growing up I didn't have a lot of childhood friends like I wasn't really close friends with anybody growing up and like for a long time so like to me this is like this is giving me back something that I never had you know like to hang out with all these people and it's fine it's like finding your family yeah right uh, uh, it, I, I, I was a member of a hacker space in, in Knoxville. And the term that I liked is that when people came to the hacker space, it was as if they had found, they had found like a secret family that they didn't know existed because everybody had this, this niche of wanting to create and creativity from a number of realms uh, and ranges, be it electronics, woodworking, welding. It was all in that area, right? So everybody had kind of like their own specialized niches, but there was this sort of crossover and everybody was in the game for the same reason, which was to create. So I would loved the, the, the frequent term was that they found their family, right? Or, or found their community, found their, their, yeah something along those lines it's true i mean that and that's when i think of a community it's just that uh, because it's like you know, i spot it like hacker dojo you know in terms of like a business hacker community as soon as you just started using that i was like oh hackers and makers and all that there's a there's right. a there's a unwritten thing there's like this thing you know it's just like you can identify other hackers and makers when you start talking about hacker maker stuff and there's just kind of this bond this code and I feel like with Gunter, you know, to Aaron's point, it's like, 
I, that's so endearing what you said about little rascals too. And I'm like, I can relate on a lot of levels. But you said, I mean, I grew up and had a lot of different friends, but I think some people may have had to grow up quicker than others. Some people may have just, just by where they live, they didn't have this. And it's like, it's almost really emotional. Mm. And I, and I tried, I have, I have with this group. So I said, you know, I'm not married to kids on a personal level, but you know, maybe I will one day, but there's family people in there. Mm. There's people with kids. And like with Brandon reads and he has all his kids in the background. I think it's so <laughs> awesome. There's people with children. There's people with newborns or people that got married. There's people that have been married years. And, I, and what I said is a, this is a family oriented environment. People feel safe. And then feel comfortable just as much as the guy coming in here. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I was married, I would, my girlfriend feel like she come in here. Feel like my wife come in here. So you want to create a place where we can. So I think in building that, and Gunter's kind of expressed how they want this group to be ran. You know, you, you know, they really have vocalized it. They said it, and I've taken notes. And I'm like, okay, how can I be a a, a steward? Not my group. I, I just I did. I've never really looked at it. This is my group, and I because I, I, I can't stand groups that people try to run like an overlord. It's like who do you think you are? It's like oh, mm-hmm. I get to be a steward along with others to be part of this, and you find this community. And, and Chris, that was very honest of you to say. It's like, look, I mean, we all have, we're adults, if I could put it like that. And it's like, we have our politics. <laughs> we have our, our people have, we have our, I have my own spiritual beliefs, very spiritual. Other people have their beliefs. And, and you got so many different people of different faith and denominations and different political backgrounds and, you know, you know, Second Amendment people. Some people aren't. And, you know, you get all this going on and it's like, you know, how do you get all them into a room like this and under pop culture without them cutting each other down, cussing each other out? And how dare you say that? It's sometimes that comes in. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that to your point, it's, it's, you know, we found the little rascals. Like if I knew you when I was, we were kids, these would be the kind of people that I would be around. that would, would really like to be around if, if we were kids. Mm-hmm. It's like you got a room full of best friends because your best buds would be like a gunter. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah. And just sitting here listening to you guys, because I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, I'm not the only one that thought about that. I'm not the only one. That- <laughs> You're, both of you are going to say some of the things you said about the book, about the culture. If you have not thought about it before, you're not just arbitrarily going to pull this out. And I'm like, you know, I'm not alone with this. And so this podcast, when I saw it and I see it and I've seen it, but I haven't laser focused on it. But but I see Aaron's head pop up, and Chris, you've been in there. I think, Chris, you may, you've been in there for a very long time. Both of y'all have been there for some time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I see it, and I'm like, who's this person who makes this It just gets to the good part, this podcast and all that. And, of course, I don't mind people sharing that kind of stuff. I think it's cool. It adds to the, the ecosystem. It makes it stronger. It doesn't take away from what we have. Right, and, right. and so you see it. I think it should be promoted, promoted more. To be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> No, I'm very serious. No, I'm serious because I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Does it complement the ecosystem? Does it help? I think it makes itself stronger. It's like, oh, man, this is rad. You know, I just think it's rad and even being part of it, not just because I'm on the podcast. It's like, you know, I'm saving up my shillings. I want to go buy a mask. And I get to the good part. Sure. I really want one of those, which I will get. And, and so I've looked at the store. But the, the, the thing is, is now it's like, here we are. And it's like, this is our community. This is what we get. And I'm so appreciative. I think that's such a badass shirt. And I like the font, the typography, <laughs> yes. and obviously, and I just realized the shorts. 
Are you ready? Right on the back. So kudos, so kudos to this podcast. Kudos to what y'all have done with it. Um, I really appreciate it just as a fellow gunter. I really think it's awesome. I hope that you would take time to share that and to share this more in the group and not just this episode, but just the whole part of it. And I'd like to see gunter culture grow because guess what? There's a lot of other gunters out there that still don't know that this is in this group and that these podcasts exist. And I think you can have a bigger community that I think would be rad. And I like it because I get I get a lot of good information from our group too. Like, there's a lot of movies and series I wouldn't even really watch, didn't even throw back, and even new ones. I was like, hey, did anybody see this? And I'm like, oh, dude, I didn't even check that out. Oh, that was amazing. Oh, my gosh, that was amazing. And, you know, how cool was it to see a lot of countries go through drive you know, during, you know, this time of COVID? They were like, hey, my neighborhood may have drive to theaters and just kind of taking that nostalgia with them. You know, this makes me want to sit in on other podcasts. There's a lot that I didn't get in the 80s. I, lo- I love waking up sometimes. I, before I go, because I work on all the time, like three o'clock in the morning, or I'll post a gutter mm-hmm. But I just to see what people say, these little things, it's like, I just like it. And look, you get all kinds of people posting it there. I wake up and like, all these posts, and you're looking and you're like, all oh, did, all the little finds that people find, and all these little things. I just share it with our little 3,000 group. There's groups out there that war ours ten thousand here, fifty thousand here, five thousand here, but they bring it back to the guns because they know that even with any of those other pop groups that you're in, they're not guns. Some of them are, but you know what I mean? It's like it's like it's just some people. You get any kind, you get all kind of people like cyberpunk. I got a cyberpunk group, and it's like they're you know they'll you post something out there, they'll cut probably cuss you out. It's like yeah, yeah, or whatever. It's like got your plays a little different so i'm appreciative of this podcast i'm really stoked to have been here all right and uh and we appreciate you putting up the official ready player one gunter clan of facebook that that is the title look for that title the official ready player one gunter clan of facebook find us and join us if you're not already a member I appreciate you for, you know, putting that community up and it's it's just been awesome that it's sprung up and that the membership is the quality of, of individuals that that are really for each other. They're not they're not competing knowledge. They really embrace the new things that people bring, the new Easter eggs that people develop. Being in technology, oftentimes you run into people where it turns into a a, a sort of battle on dare I say a dick waving if you want. I never felt like I never felt like that was the case in the group. I always felt like it was a matter of, of you know, if you told me something I didn't know, I'd be like, oh my God, that's awesome. Thank you for that. I'm going to explore that. It never made me feel like less of a person from not knowing information. I always felt like it was a person sharing an Easter egg with me, and now I'm in on the joke uh, or, you know, how I have the in on the info, right? So uh, I appreciate that atmosphere. I appreciate that's a unique atmosphere for any any group on any social media. Yeah. It's so much to me to have the opportunity to be part of it. And, you know, it would suck not to have it. You know, in some ways, like, you know, just, uh, gosh, it would just, like, if all I had was just the Facebook stream and stuff that I get and all these other tech groups that I wrote in groups of men, I mean, it just makes me, and it, it makes Facebook worth keeping on this. I'm telling you, it's like, you know, it's cool. It's a group of It's just, you know, and we'll see where it goes, you know, let's see how it looks. You know, you're in the new 
lose our shirt. You know? by, by the time the book comes out, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to just need something to make them feel good and wholesome on the inside. And I, I mean, I've been waiting for this book for a long time and I'm looking forward to the comfort that it's going to bring. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that is going to be ready for that something good because like, like to be honest, this year has been kind of shitty. And when the news came out that ready player two was coming out, it was like, it was like somebody put a little bit, little bow on this year. Like, ah, here's something nice. And we're going to be ready for that. Somebody put sprinkles yeah. on this shit sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> we got to eat it. At least it has sprinkles. Yeah, exactly. So like, I've, I think we've all needed something this year to like be looking forward to, and I think probably by November twenty fourth, we're gonna there's gonna be quite a few people looking for something to take their mind off of all the other crap that's gonna be going on then. And what yeah. better way than Ready Player Two? However, it comes out. Yeah. If we again, we've reached. We have. Uh, we've truly dug about as far as we can into this. Just like every episode. Christopher Lafayette, thank you again. Thank you for bringing your your community. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we will catch you on the next episode. See ya.